huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Try Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo. And with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. It worked. Hooray. So I'm going to ask the audience until just now. We were having the technical difficulties. Things seem all right. Uh, so I guess we'll jump in. I'll... Lots to talk about, some things more having to do with the Orange than others, but uh, I guess we'll review kind of the NBA draft first. Um, starting with Syracuse players um, in particular, uh, Dan, how do you feel about where uh, where both Chris McCullough and Rocking Christmas landed? Do you feel like both are good fits, one maybe more than the other? What's, uh, what's your gut? Um, I think they're both interesting fits. Uh, the... I'll start with McCullough, just as he went first, and I'm a little more familiar with the whole situation being a Brooklyn Nets fan. Um, I was kind of of two minds with the McCullough pick. It seemed like it was going to happen for weeks, and then it, it later was reported that it was basically worked out where the Nets kind of knew they were going to get him as long as someone didn't jump ahead of them. Um, I don't know if they made like a straight-up promise, but it seemed like uh, that was going to be their move if possible. So, obviously... He's a hometown kid. They've been making a lot of. He's the first uh, native New York, uh, New York City player uh, to join the Nets since they've moved to Brooklyn, which is pretty cool. Um, Nets are in a really weird situation uh, because there is no incentive for them to tank or lose at all because they control so little of their future in terms of draft picks. Uh, a lot of them are hung up with the Hawks and the Celtics from the disastrous. Uh, KG and Pierce and the slightly less disastrous to Johnson trades. Um, so the Nets need to win, but uh, when you're in the 29th pick, because for whatever reason you accepted a pick swap with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, when you absolutely didn't need to do that because they were going to get rid of Joe Johnson however they needed to do it, um, and you wind up with the 29th pick as a pretty mediocre team, you don't have a lot of upside with that pick. So the Matolo pick probably doesn't help the Nets uh, right off the bat. Um, but it's high upside. Uh, and then with the trade for Rondé Hollis Jefferson uh, that the Nets made, it kind of gives them two, you know, gives them two first rounders for this year. And a way a lot of Net fans are looking at it is like McCullough ends up being the de facto 2016 first rounder. And if he's healthy and he works out, um, he'll be, a, you know, he'll be a, probably be a crowd favorite. Um, I'm sure he'll have a lot of family there and stuff, which will be cool. And he's 
uh, lottery type talent where the Nets, you know, aren't going to have that kind of uh, potential to draft for a while. So um, obviously, being a Syracuse player going to my favorite team is cool. Uh, hopefully, it works out. And I don't know when we'll see him. There are rumors that he might not play at all next year. There, he said that he wants to be ready for some time in November, December. So it's interesting. Um, it wasn't like it's not it's not a totally obvious pick uh, in terms of fit, but I think it's a good enough one, especially if he can uh, work on that jumper and that we saw him uh, use a couple times at Syracuse. Uh, it should be a good fit, um, especially because the Nets seem to be going. And they they didn't. Rec- I mean, obviously they traded uh, Mason Plumlee, so there's and Thad Young is going to be probably the de facto, de facto four. So it it should be a we might not know how this pick ended up until next year or the year after uh, because of his injuries, but it's uh, it should be fun. I'm I'm kind of excited about it. Um, and then I talked way too much about Chris. So for Rack, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's going to be on an NBA. Uh, I mean, I think he'll make the team. Uh, they're going to need big men because I don't imagine they're keeping around Kendrick Perkins and uh, Brendan Hayward and Haywood, and I don't know why they would anyway. And they've been just spending a ton of money um, between re-signing Kevin Love for $110 million, and they've just re-signed Demont Shumpert for $40 million, which seems like a ton for him. So they're going to need affordable players in that roster, and Christmas will be that, uh, being a second-rounder. Um, as long as he rebounds well, defends his position, uh, I think he has a really good opportunity to make that team and, and make a run into the playoffs. Um, the Cavs were not deep last year. They need guys. Uh, Mazdav. Obviously, it's kind of limited in, in some ways, and Raph is, is probably a little more athletic and can do a little bit more in terms of, uh, you know, matchup issues when they play uh, more athletic centers. So um, it's hard. To, it's always hard to say how a second rounder will fit in, uh, especially with a team like the Cavs, who have so many stars. Uh, but because they're kind of, they have a short bench, and because there are a couple guys there that are, they're going to want to get off the books. I think he has a really good shot to make that team. And, and if you can be on an NBA champion, that's always pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with both of those assessments, to be honest. I mean, Christmas in particular, um, I, I, I said this during the draft, I know, on Twitter and to you, I said, you know, like Christmas is just, he's grown so much as a player since we first saw him at, at SU. And I think you know, some of that came from really being around some veteran guys. I think, you know, being on the Cavs now, I think he has a golden opportunity, um, you know, to learn under guys like LeBron, like Kevin Love, like Kyrie Irving. Um, and then I, I think because of the moves the Cavs seem to be making, I mean, Tristan Thompson isn't, isn't a lockdown guy in the middle by any means, but he has, I think, improved on defense. I think LeBron um, is someone who can help improve the team's overall defense. Uh, we saw it with the Heat. I think we saw a little bit with the Cavs. Um, and then the fact that they're bringing back Shumpert as well, uh, you know, brings a really solid perimeter defender, uh, which should make Christmas's job easier. I don't think he's going to get a ton of minutes, at least this year, but um, I, I think it'll be a great experience if he if he's up with the pro cl- with the uh, NBA club the entire year for him to be able to to learn under these guys and really get a lot out of it. Um, I, I think it, it it is a perfect fit for him, um, just because you know rather than him having a lot of pressure thrown on him in, in a situation. I think that, that him being part of a, a larger cast um, could really benefit him both short and long term. Um, McCullough, same deal. I mean, you obviously follow the Nets a lot more than I do. 
Um, and I think you're right with him kind of being a, a lottery caliber pick, um, at least as far as upside goes, um, who could kind of help the Nets out going forward. Um, again, like it's tough for us as SU fans and really any fans. We just didn't see enough of him um, to judge properly, but based on what everyone's saying, what he could be, um, it might be seen as a really nice pickup down the road. Uh, so more on that um, in a couple of years, I guess. Um, but shifting to what's been all the rage this week, in particular today, and for people listening yesterday, um, free agency. Uh, this doesn't have to be SU specific. There's no one really moving that has a, that has SU ties, at least as yet. Um, those would be via trade, not via free agency. So uh, what surprised you so far? Um, I know your nets are kind of uh, on the sidelines for the most part, but uh, I guess what's your take on day one? Um, well, there is. I mean, the only SU guy I think is out there is Wes Johnson, who I know was visiting with the net. So there's a chance that we have two Syracuse guys in Brooklyn. Um, but obviously, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge deal for the NBA. Um, it's been – I'm just really interested. Uh, a, I, I don't think the looming um, salary cap increase has quite had the effect that we expected when you have guys like um, – Jimmy Butler take ninety million for five years when he could have, uh, you know, taken a two or three year deal and and bet on himself to become like a super huge max t- salary player. Obviously, it's affected how like LeBron has handled his his free his uh his contract, but he's not going anywhere. Um, so I don't know. I think it's it's interesting to see some of the guys that have gotten locked up for for as much money as they have right now, uh, and it seems like fewer guys are kind of playing the game with the um, with the future cap increases and more guys are just kind of locking themselves up for the long term. Same with Kevin Love. Uh, he signed five years, which is, which is it. I don't think anyone expected. If they, if he were signed with the Cavs, I think everyone was betting it was a one or a one plus one. So it's almost like a more standard free agency. Um, but maybe that means that in a couple of years when those cap increases do come and guys like, uh, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and LeBron are, you know, could uh, be on the market. Maybe that's when things get crazy. But um, also just a lot of weird guys getting big contracts. Kyle Singler got five for 25, which is nuts. Obviously, we talked about Shumpert, who I think is a, is a nice player, but $10 million, I don't know if it's a $10 million a year player. Um, you have the Knicks going after uh, Jeremy Lin and, and Lance Fields, which I'm sure you're a big fan of. Uh, trying to get the, the band back together. Um, no, it, it's been a really interesting day. Um, I don't think anything's been like, there hasn't been anything that like really dominated the news, but it seems like just the constant barrage of, of re-signings and, and some moves, it's, been, it's made for a fun day of sports, I think. Agreed. I know it, uh, it wasn't always this way, but I feel like for the most part, like whenever there was a new CBA, we'd see this. Um, go to 99, we out the lockout in 2011, 12. Um, it just seems like now every single year, because uh, these are more, you know, less long-term deals, more kind of player-focused deals, there's just so many good young players in the league that it's, it's become this kind of bonanza um, for the first, like, 24 to 48 hours. Helps it that LeBron's been on the market twice. 
smells it on the market, weighs it on the market several times. There's a lot of players who has either moved or chosen not to move um, over time. And, and that's, I think, what's made it so much fun, especially for those of us you who know, grew up in the 90s um, and saw, you know, minimal player movement, especially amongst, like, kind of the, the big, big names. Um, everyone, despite the fact there was free agency, a lot of them really uh, stuck around for their teams, at least, you know, for, for a 10, 12-year stretch before maybe finishing their careers somewhere else. Um, you know, for me, as a Knicks fan, things are always miserable. Um, today is not looking any better <laughs> because my team's chasing after uh, players who were last on the roster, you know, three, four years ago. Uh, guys who just aren't – I'm not looking for big names necessarily. I'm looking for fit. And I just think that the Knicks have been tied to everyone under the sun. It doesn't seem like they're really being taken seriously um, in, in most sweepstakes. Um, DeAndre Jordan and Lamarcus Aldridge most troublingly. Um, it seems like we really didn't get in touch with Danny Green enough for him to even give us consideration, which hurts because he's a Long Island kid. He really would have been, you know, a nice local addition. Uh, the next, it just seems like there's a lot for us um, not going well. And I mean, it's still early, but um, you know the uh, the cap raise that you alluded to. We're kind of looking at you know it could be a thirty. It's $23 million jump um, at the absolute max next year, um, which could have the Knicks and a lot of other teams kind of uh, kind of waiting it out for, for guys like Durant um, and others to hit the open market um, when we kind of know where all the big names are going this year. You know, say like all those Grizzlies, Love and LeBron are headed back to Cleveland. Um, it's just, there, there's a couple guys here and there, but maybe, maybe it's smart to, to wait. Maybe it's, Mark to sign some one-year deals, try to compete, um, try not to give away a top 10 pick because you traded it away. I don't know. But yeah, it, it's, it's been a fun free agency period so far. And uh, it's definitely interesting to see the tide kind of turning um, against the Lakers, maybe against the Clippers too, if, uh, if DeAndre Jordan leaves. Um, but Dan, like what team do you think in day one is really, uh, has really improved themselves the most, or at least positioned themselves the best um, of course, this is dependent on, on signings going through or signings that might be rumored. Like, who do you think has done the most of themselves in, in the first 24 hours for you to see yourself? Um, I love the Bulls locking up Butler for a pretty manageable contract. Uh, I think that he's just a really stellar player, and they got him for, what, $18 million a year for five years, which I think, assuming he continues to progress since he's very young, uh, could end up being a, a really good contract, especially when that cap increases and that ends up being, you know, not a crazy number for a good uh, all-star level NBA player. Um, the team that seems to be really intriguing, and I don't really agree with the bid move they made today, but it could end up paying bene- uh, dividends down the road, is the Phoenix Suns. Um, they locked up Brandon Knight, who I think is is pretty good. They gave him $70 million, I think, for five years, if I'm remember, remembering correctly. I don't love giving Tyson Chandler four for 52, but word is that they then brought in Chandler to meet uh, in their meeting with um, LaMarcus Aldridge, who I wouldn't have said the Suns were an option, but he kind of, uh, he and Chandler kind of would fit together well in the front court. Uh, Chandler obviously is, is a pure uh, rim defender and, and would leave Aldridge to space the floor, and he can kind of do a lot of the same things he does in Portland. Um, and they seem to be 
they seem pretty dedicated to building a, a fun, uh, competitive team, especially for a market that isn't usually uh, isn't usually one that that's all that easy to grow a team like that in in the NBA. Um, so if they, I don't think that Vultures will end up there, but if they somehow pull out that two, uh, they'd be a very good team going forward. I think with all the young guards they have and and all the, you know, it'd be like one of those classic Suns teams that scores a ton of points. Uh, and then they have a guy like Chandler in the middle who should, you know, really help a defense that struggled in the past. So I think they're the most intriguing one after day one. Um, I think the best move was was the Bulls getting Butler to agree to that five-year deal, though. Yeah, I mean, the Suns were floated last year, and they tried to position themselves as a contender to get LeBron. That didn't happen. But, um, you know, everyone said, like, this is a team with assets. This is a team with, with a lot of young wings. Uh, a lot of great perimeter players. Um, you know, they do have, I mean, I saw them play last year, and while it wasn't, you know, the prettiest thing in the world, it, it was it was something that looked like they could build upon. So Chandler, like you said, salary seems out of whack, four years, $52 million. Um, obviously, the, the cap raise um, for the next two off seasons is going to make that hurt a little bit less, but um, you also have to figure that Chandler may not be in the league anymore by the last year of it, um, depending on how injury problems shake out, et cetera. But yeah, I, I think Phoenix is oddly positioned themselves very well. Um, seems like a lot of small market teams are, to be honest, today. Um, you know, the Bucks signing Chris Middleton, I, I think in general, um, the Bucks under Jason Kidd are, are just going to continue to improve. Um, and, and I just really like. Uh, what they're putting together there. Kind of envious of what they're putting together there. Um, seems like that late report said that they were in contention for Greg Monroe. Um, suddenly, obviously, like still more time to meet with the Knicks, et cetera. But um, you're seeing teams like Phoenix, teams like Milwaukee position themselves well. Um, I think the Cavs, uh, obviously, you know, locking up love pretty quickly is a, is a huge move, um, wasting four years and $40 million on Shumpert. Seems like a Knicks-type move, <laughs> but, I mean, what do I know? Uh, it, it just, I, I'd say that that's probably the worst move for me, is, is that, that Shumpert deal. Um, I would have said Chandler until I saw what you alluded to, that, that Chandler had come into the Aldridge meeting and really put the Suns on the map. Um, the other the other worst move um, of the day, and we'll see if this is actually true or not, um, is Kobe Bryant's kind of presentation at, at the Lakers meeting with Marcus Aldridge, which seemed like it went down in flames, uh, but kind of disputed whether or not the report or the initial reports coming out of that uh, had any veracity. Um, but Dan, who is, who is your worst of the day? I think it's one of those two. Is there another uh, move that just that defies logic to you? Yeah, the Toby things that did call, I kind of forgot about that, um, especially with his like pedantic tweets afterwards. But it, it seems like uh, most people seem to, most of the reporters that are tapped in seem to believe that it went at least somewhat according to the way that uh, the initial reports came out, where Kobe kind of said, oh, hey, you could come be my number two. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll start the whole Marcus Aldridge wants to be number two to a 39-year-old Toby Bryant who wants to take 30 shots a game. So that was a good call. Um, definitely not the brightest thing that uh, anyone's done, um, if that's true. Fair, fair. Um, so I guess looking at 
um, I guess some of the top names, like maybe just go around. Um, let's see. Let me get a top three agents list quickly. We play a little uh, prediction game before we head into halftime. Now, for the large contingent, oddly, of, of Syracuse fans who hate the NBA, uh, this is probably excruciating, but really, it's, there's nothing to hate. It's a great game. It's a lot more fun than college basketball has been of late. We'll see if that changes with the 30-second shot clock. But um, anyway, looking at some of the top guys, um, this is all just unsigned guys. So, you know, some of these are obvious, others are not. Um, where does LeBron James go? 100%. Same here. Marcus Hall. Uh, Memphis. Sounds like he's Same. pretty much just meeting with Memphis. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, San Antonio. I want to say San Antonio, and I think it ultimately ends up them, but I, the sun's wrinkle is crazy, and I also I don't count them out in Portland yet. Yeah, it uh, seems I'll, weird because like it, it, all we've heard, all we've heard with him is like he wants it out of Portland, but it seems like they don't consider themselves out of it. But the way that apparently the Lakers went, where he was like kind of upset it wasn't about basketball or as much about basketball as he wanted it to be. Um, well, it's not going to get any more about basketball than it will in San Antonio, uh, where that's going to be 100% of the focus. And, you know, obviously he's a Texas guy, so it just seems to make sense. Um, he can also kind of be the heir apparent at the four to Tim Duncan, who I don't think can continue to play forever, although I might be wrong on that. Um, but, yeah, that just seems like a logical fit. And I kind of appreciate – I know you're not a big Spurs fan – I kind of appreciate the Spurs just because they're so good at doing things the right. I mean, not like in a stupid like uh, St. Louis Cardinals thing, but like they they just run their team so well, uh, and they really haven't uh, down like a free agent like this in I can't even tell you how long. So it almost be cool to just see them go out and identify a guy they want free agency as a match contract guy in depth, because um, I kind of appreciate how they do business. Um, I know that you have some anti-Spurs sentiment leading back to uh, the 90s. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm still bitter about 1999 because I'm a Knicks fan. But beyond that, um, I do appreciate the way they do business. And I'm kind of watching an awe and horror. They, they kind of reload on the fly. Um, you know, I, I always love to celebrate their failures, but their successes um, are, are stunning um, in the modern era of the NBA with free agency, et cetera, it's, it's insane to me uh, what they, if they pull up Aldridge, I mean, that team's going to win 65 games next year. Um, I'm just, again, pretty much in awe. And we'll see. I wouldn't mind him being on the Suns, but I, again, I agree with you. I think Spurs. Draymond Green, who uh, thought that this was going to be a pretty cut and dry situation. Uh, with Golden State, and now suddenly, uh, based on some reports that went out, I know uh, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, also had some notes on this. Uh, it seems like they're not as close as people thought they were in terms of uh, dollar amount, et cetera. Yeah, apparently everyone thought, like, first there were obviously there have been Detroit talks for a long time. He's from there. He has a lot of Michigan pride. 
Um, and then after the finals, it sounded like he just loved the area and loved the team so much that he might even give them, you know, a discount under the mats. Uh, but apparently, I guess probably seeing guys like Chris Middleton get $70 million and some of the other deals uh, for similar-ish players uh, that have come out today, uh, he probably wants to see what the market's out there for. So I, I think he ends up back with Golden State, but I think it ends up being more expensive than Golden State probably wants it to be. I'm going to go with Golden State too, but I, I will take a slightly different tax. I think it ends up being a one-year deal. Um, I think it takes a one-year deal at a discount to keep them in a little more manageable cap figure. Uh, and then I think he re-hits the open market next year. And he might end up re-signing with Golden State at a higher dollar amount because of the higher cap. Um, but yeah, I see him signing a one-year deal with Golden State. DeAndre? Yeah, Jordan. he's an interesting one. Uh, oh, this one I, I honestly don't know. Um, I'd almost... I, I saw some stuff about the Mavericks today, and it seems they probably want to make a splash and he would be a very natural replacement and upgrade over Tyson Chandler, who they just lost. So in an effort mostly to not just keep on saying the team players are turning to their uh, existing team, I'll say he goes to, to Dallas. I'm going to agree there. Uh, DeAndre and Dallas have kind of been linked for a little while. Um, Dallas sees what Houston and San Antonio are, are able to do. I know Dallas has struck out. Um, probably what five straight years now on really any big free agent target. I mean, you just can't can't expect Dirk to just keep going forever. I know he's obviously started to not fade into the background, but he's definitely transitioning into more of a like Tim Duncan type role um, with the team. And I think they do really need somebody else to take over the lion's share of of the defenses. Jordan might not be that type of player. I think he needs to be set up well with a good point guard, a la Chris Paul, um, which might cause some problems for the Mavs, but uh, I, I think I think a max deal with the Mavericks makes the most sense for all parties involved, which, as I mentioned earlier a little bit, uh, really does screw over the Clippers uh, quite a bit, who I think going into the offseason thought that they had a, uh, had a beeline on them. But uh, Tim Duncan... Yeah. Oh, San Antonio. He's not leaving. Uh, who else do we got? Oh, of interest to my team, Greg Monroe. That was one of the things that I thought would be like an early one just because he's been so heavily linked to the Knicks. And uh, I'll... Hmm. I'm going to stick with the Knicks, but I wouldn't be shocked if they got in a real fight with Portland just because he's a similar-ish player to Aldridge and it seems like they're going to lose Aldridge. So... Uh, I, I think the Knicks will end up with him. I don't know how that'll work. Um, other than the Knicks are just need talent so bad that it, you know it'll be an upgrade. But uh, I don't know. It seems like it's less less of a sure thing than it was a few days ago when the Knicks seemed to be like the only real contender there. Yeah, I mean honestly, I do think he ends up with the Knicks. Um, I I know SB Nation thinks it'll probably be like a two year deal. I probably agree there. Um, just because he'll want to get back out in the open market while he can still make some big money. Um, I do, I know I mentioned Milwaukee and Portland before. You mentioned Portland just now. Um, I think both present some intriguing opportunities. Obviously, if you bring him into Milwaukee, Milwaukee suddenly becomes 
I'd say an odds-on top four team in the, in the East. But the problem is, do you really want to just gather assets to line up behind Cleveland? Um, and then in the West, while it's harder to get through the West, um, I think right now things have never been more wide open. And, and that's not to troll Golden State. It's just to say Golden State didn't skate by any means um, through that playoff, especially when you when you look at, you know, teams are only going to get better. Uh, they did face some teams racked with injuries. It doesn't mean they didn't deserve the title, but it's just to say that, you know, the roles will only get harder going forward um, as, as teams start to figure out how to defend them, how to emulate their style, et cetera. Um, I think Monroe ends up picking between um, probably Milwaukee and the Knicks. He chooses the Knicks um, because of the big market. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I don't mind Monroe's game, and I, I want him because we, we need a bigger name to come into New York to help. But um, as far as finding an interior defender, uh, a guy who's going to help uh, with spacing, a guy who's going to help with tempo, I, I don't necessarily see him as that guy. But alas, I do not. Yeah. If, <laughs> if I was a Knicks fan, like, I'd be so over this triangle offense just because, I am over. like, it's, <laughs> it's just so limiting to the players that can be affected. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to put Melo at a stretch four position where he was so good for a couple of years. Dead, you're like it seems like all the guys they've been connected with are straight up fours, and it forces Melo to play the three where he's still good, but he's not as good. I just feel like if you're gonna go for it, and obviously the Knicks kind of need to with Melo on the roster, um, why not maximize his potential and fill players uh, around him, uh, which also would make the Knicks more of a modern type team. Yeah, I agree with that. And to be honest, like if we're looking for a stretch four type. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of a guy like Jai Crowder, um, who, you know, a lot of folks should remember from some frustrating days when he was in college. Um, but yeah, I, I much prefer a player like that. He'd be a lot cheaper, but a lot. Um, I don't know anything about basketball, apparently, because I root for the Knicks. Uh, two more players, however, we'll, we'll just quick evaluations for, and then we can jump into some uh, halftime. Um, Paul Millsap who I think is one of the more intriguing um, people on the market here. Uh, I think Millsap got locked down by the Hawks. Uh, I think they signed him to a $558 million Was he officially Over three down? years. I believe so. You I know Orlando went hard after him. Yes, yeah, no, you are correct. I was looking at one of the estimations lists, and that list did not include that. And then yeah, lastly, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, obviously things are going fast and furious. If I'm Millsap and I'm offered a large amount of money, I think you can take it. Because I, I mean, the longer he stood out there, the more likely the Knicks were going to throw a max deal at him or something stupid like that. So I'm, uh, I'm glad that didn't happen. I guess last but not least, um, another intriguing one, uh, somebody who is probably going to start coming up on a lot of other teams' radars, uh, Robin Lopez. Hmm. He's interesting because he can fit in a lot of places. I think he's a, he's a, he's a pretty good player. Um, but he's obviously not on the same level as like a lot of the other picks, but he's very useful. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen too much about him today. Um, I don't think he's going to stay with Portland. 
Yeah, and I know the Knicks are meeting with them. Uh, you know what? Maybe he ends up uh, because L.A. the Lakers need a center um, to go along with. Uh, you know, you, they want Julie, Julius Randle to play the power forward. Um, maybe they go after him and pay him a little too much money after like they strike out on everyone else. Yeah, uh, I think that's a pretty decent bet. Um, for me, Lopez comes down to three teams: it's the Lakers, the Knicks, and the Bucks. Um, I think. Whoever loses out on Greg Monroe goes after Lopez as the Knicks and Bucks. Um, I, I, yeah, I think Portland's in the pass for him at this point. Um, yeah, I think the Lakers end up overpaying him. I think the Knicks actually show restraint for once. Um, and if they, if they aren't able to get him or Monroe, I think they, that they do kind of look towards a, a Crowder or, or somebody like that. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's an interesting one. He's one that I think could, could be one of the bigger surprises of this uh, this kind of top 20 year to 25 uh, free agents there. What about yeah. Dwayne Wade? Dwayne Wade. Why did I lead out Dwayne Wade? Oh. Um, I guess I yeah. just assumed he'll return with the Heat. He might leave. He might leave. But, like... Do we buy his general, like, you know, he's still a max player, but that he deserves a max deal? I mean, this is, this is like the Kobe Bryant situation all over again. Um, I, I just don't know if he's – I mean, Miami seems to be willing to pay him more than, than fair market value, but he's just not – I don't think he's worth much more than fair market value. And the only reason he is worth a little bit more is because it's Miami and because that's going to, um, you know, keep them engaged in the post LeBron era for them. Yeah. I think he's definitely worth more to them than he is anyone else. And it is one of those situations where you want to keep the fans happy and he's beloved by Miami fans, but on the court, like he just can't, he can't play for more than, 45, 50 games, I don't know. I, I mean, you can't give max. If he wants the max, like, you have to let him walk. And I don't think he's going to get it from anywhere else either. So uh, I think ultimately it's hard to choose one of these kind of guys to leave my uh, the team they've been with forever at this point, especially when they're so clearly past their prime. Um, but it does seem like he, uh, he is posturing for something. Agreed, agreed. I just don't know who... I don't know who else has the money to sign him to that sort of deal. I mean, the Lakers, I guess. But, like, why would you want a player redundant of Nick Young and Kobe Bryant? Like, why would you want another one of those? Especially when Bryant Bryant has injury problems, Wade has injury problems. It it just seems silly. But the Lakers would qualify as a, uh, quote-unquote, silly franchise. and, And dumber things have happened, I'm sure. I think I'm actually rooting for that now because it would be hilarious. <laughs> well, I get to watch it play out like live here as, as Lakers fans lose their goddamn mind. They'd act, they'd be really excited about it for like a minute. Kobe, well, like, yeah, yes. like two seconds. And then they'd realize that, oh, we just got another Kobe Bryant. Just in time for the other one to leave the Yeah, ride. this is like the worst possible thing. All right. 
So on that note, beer time. We're in, uh, in halftime now. Uh, what were you drinking last week or so, Dan? Um, I was pretty much sticking with the standards this week. Nothing, nothing too crazy that I haven't tried before. Some some Goose Island, some Abita, some Brooklyn, some Dales. So kind of like the standards that I find around the neighborhood pretty easily. Um, hopefully for the fourth, I can go uh, get a little more adventurous. I like to, you know, I'm with my family, so I can bait them into buying me something that I haven't had before. So next week I'll have something more excited. Exciting to report on. I hope. Fair enough. Fair enough. And on my end, uh, start off with the Cigar City Jialai IPA. Uh, nice, uh, nice bit of trade for me uh, from Florida's best brewery, hands down. Um, and after that, I was at a Stone Sour Fest uh, down in Escondido and uh, had a great time. It was really hot out. Uh, which was made drinking for four hours difficult. Um, but yeah, I got to try 15 different uh, really great sours. Uh, the best of the day for me was um, Cantillon's Irish. Uh, Cantillon's one of the most, if not the most famed uh, brewery in Belgium. Um, and Iris, uh, just a really, really fantastic uh, brew from them. Not easy to locate, but highly recommended. Uh, had the Rare Barrels Map of the Sun, which was also delicious. Uh, had a really, one that you would probably like a lot, Dan. Um, the Libertine Pub uh, down in that area brought um, Sour Pumpkin Cranberry Porter, which was one of the more intriguing beers I've ever tasted. Whoa. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, uh, that's, definitely was a, that's a lot of things. Yeah, it was uh, it was all over the map, but like in a very good way. It kind of kind of changed as it warmed. It had a really tart kind of cranberry to start, um, but as it warmed up, you started tasting a little more of that those porter malts and uh, and that pumpkin flavor. It was uh, again really really interesting beer. What else had a Toolbox Brewings, uh, grass-fed lettuce, the dry hop sour blonde, really, really good. Again, these are all good, so just, I didn't probably leave that part out. Um, and Almanac's Valley of the Heart's Delight. Had Cascade's uh, Vlad the Impaler. Uh, Cascade's uh, Portland Vlad the Impaler was a uh, pretty hefty uh, sour on their part. So had Cascade's Sang Royal. Um, as well as their cranberry. Um, Cascade is a ton of sours, uh, so they had kind of their own big setup there. And yeah, that was uh, that was most of it. Like I said, a lot of a lot of great sours. I'll plenty to talk about um, next week too, non-sour related. Since uh, it was July, hanging out with friends, got plenty of beer here. So uh, yeah, should be a good time. Yeah, it's a good holiday, I feel like. Yeah, this is perfect for drinking. I feel like, uh, especially knowing that I'm probably, knock on wood, we're waiting for finalization, uh, relocating to a different part of L.A. 
Um, so my last time kind of really enjoying everything Santa Monica has to offer on the, uh, the beach and beer and, and summer front. So it'll be a nice, uh, nice send off hopefully. Yeah, moving on. Um, we'll stop talking about the NBA. Sorry. Uh, for those of you who have been snarling for an extended period of time. Uh, and now we're going to move on to basketball recruiting. Or, well, we can talk about Ty's battle if we want. But more importantly, um, I, I think SU's recent move in the transfer market was, uh, was a very, very exciting one. And, uh, Dan, what do you think about our new uh, seven foot two addition to the uh, the Syracuse Orange basketball team? Uh, mostly, I'm intrigued more than anything else. Um, at first blush, just because he didn't really much at Providence last year, he played like ten minutes a game, and not like you know, he was averaging like points and a couple rebounds, and you know, he did block some shots as you expect for a new guy. I wasn't quite sure why. The Snap seemed to be going so hard after him, but then I realized that when the staff, when Jim Beham goes after a transfer, it almost always works out real well. Um, they don't just go after anyone. So obviously they see something in Chukwu who uh, uh, they think can make him a real force in the zone. And we've never had a seven foot two guy. Um, there's the article, you know, high school coach is going to be pretty, but. He thinks he can be, you know, more than just a defensive stopper. Like he has a little more off game than show up Providence, and he's a, a legit runner, which is exciting because obviously we all want to get back to that kind of brand of basketball where we have Syracuse running up and down the court. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I I don't know much of him. It's hard to really glean a lot from his Providence stint because he was not really a huge factor in learning the game. But I think it's actually great that he'll get to sit out for a year. Uh, as much as it would be nice to have him. Next next season when we have some depth issues uh, inside. I think he'll be really, if he's going to be a good player, he'll be a much better player for sitting out for a year and learning the zone and not getting sent right into the fire. So uh, I trust I trust the staff, as much as I do trust the staff recruiting um, high school players, I trust them a lot more with transfers because they have taken them very often and they've worked out like a, at a very high clip. So I'm um, I'm very intrigued to see what uh, Chukwu brings in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. Um, SU hasn't really dipped a ton in the transfer market until recently. Um, some notable recent additions um, on top of uh, Pascal uh, Chukwu is uh, obviously Wes Johnson uh, and one of my favorite seasons of SU basketball and probably a lot of other people's as well. Um, and then the current Michael Benajay, who's going to be the star of the team by all accounts, um, for the 2015-16 season. Uh, so adding, you know, another high-profile name. I mean, Chukwu coming out of high school was 61st overall in the ESPN 100. Um, he was kind of rated as, uh, as the seventh-best player at his position. I mean, and you're not going to see, like, a ton of dominant centers like that. And he was already 7-1 coming out of high school, and he's grown it in since. Uh, I guess it's more dependent on, you know, like, which you read, like, which sites you read or whatever. But nonetheless, um the fact that he could help on the on the offensive end, um, at least in terms of, of, of running, would be fantastic because I think, um, you know, we're kind of in year three or four of a pretty brutal offensive stretch um, for the Orange, and that's been covered ad nauseum. Um, 
a couple years ago, everyone said we didn't score, but we played efficiently. Uh, this time around, we, uh, well, at least last two years um, in my book, we're not playing efficiently necessarily anymore. We're just playing poorly on offense. Um, and, and that's contributed to kind of low scoring output. So hopefully, and Chukwu and a couple of the other guys um, that are coming in, we can see uh, a team that, while obviously defense is huge, um, I'd love to see a little more off the basketball. Um, also curious here, because I know like you were saying that you always trust the staff with high school talent, but you more so trust them with transfer talent. It's interesting that um, Syracuse did not make uh, Chukwu's top five uh, coming out of high school. Um, the top five, Providence, D.C., Connecticut, Notre Dame, Texas. Um, three obvious ones for a Connecticut kid. Another maybe fourth obvious one in Notre Dame. And then uh, Texas kind of a wild card. So uh, curious to see somebody come down to those five, you know, a couple years ago and then end up um, with the orange now. But excited to have them, obviously. Yeah, and pretty much the whole list was different, like, really look at those schools very much in the transfer um there was us in kansas and i think iowa state maybe so it was a much different uh, i feel like tends to happen like it you think that when it could transfer he'd go back to what he looked at in high school but it seems more often especially because i guess a lot of these kids end up upgrading that they uh they looked at like a lot of different schools so um also interesting that a lot of a lot of like big time schools got involved even though his freshman year wasn't much to write home about. So obviously uh, if Bayheim wanted him and Bill Self wanted him, uh, I feel pretty good about it. I would agree. I know it's not exactly the same as, as football where, you know, even if a guy is rated three stars, if you see a lot of uh, uh, the big schools offering him, it's usually a very good sign. I think in this case, yeah, the fact that Kansas is chasing him just as much as we were um, does say very good things about our uh, the player that, that we're getting we're going to have on the court for the 16-17 season. But uh, moving on to uh, actual recruiting for high school players, uh, Tyus Battle. Um, what's the latest? What Dan? What do you think our chances are of uh, of getting the the one-time Michigan? commit one-time Syracuse favorite um, to kind of come into the fold for the Orange uh, for the class of 2016. I feel pretty good about it. I I have a hard time believing that it's a coincidence that he opened up his recruitment around a visit to Syracuse um, after committing to Michigan kind of unexpectedly. I, th- I, I don't I, – I, obviously, I don't know anything uh, more than anyone else does. It's just all kind of projecting on my part. But it would make a lot of sense to me that um, in basketball recruiting, you don't see a lot of decommitments, um, especially for players like of Battle's uh, caliber. So it would be very understandable if um, he didn't want to make it seem like Syracuse was trying to poach him from Michigan and he waits a little bit to make a commitment or something. But the fact that his recruitment and Syracuse, he visited Syracuse right after, and then he hasn't really done anything since, and there haven't been really talks of him going anywhere else. Uh, it just seems like it's all lining up for Syracuse to land him at the end of the day. Obviously, no one expected him to commit to Michigan, so it's a very fluid situation, and who actually knows what goes on. Uh, but just looking at what's gone down in the last couple of weeks, 
Syracuse makes the most sense um, just based on how these recruitments generally go, uh, especially because Syracuse has been on him since he was a freshman in high school. And a lot of people thought Syracuse would be the favorite uh, for a while. And then obviously the, the waters got muddied. But um, unless he schedules a, a visit to, to Duke or something's coming up, I feel very good about this one. I just don't know what the timeline is, and I don't know if we should expect him to commit anytime soon. But I would say Syracuse should be – it feels like they're the leader here, which is all you can really ask for at this point. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm happy to agree. I feel good, but I'm going to wait <laughs> before I get too excited, um, knowing that a lot can still happen. Obviously, with basketball, it's a little different than football. Once you lock up a kid, it usually works out. But considering the kid that we're talking about um, was supposedly locked up somewhere, and that, that is not the case anymore, um, got to be interesting to kind of see what happens next. And obviously, it would be a huge, huge get uh, for SU um, in 16, 17, suddenly looking at um, an immensely talented team top to bottom. But lastly, I guess we'll uh, got about 10 minutes or so left. Um, Syracuse football recruiting, uh, a place where Dan and I get reluctantly dragged into every single year. Uh, I feel like more so this year than possibly any other with, uh, with Robert Washington kind of starting the hype train um, and everything kind of picking up from there. I mean, I wouldn't say that we're setting the world on fire in terms of recruiting trail, but you got to like... Um, the general momentum that this class has been able to, to seem to build. I know some of these guys just haven't been properly evaluated yet, so it's going to be interesting to see where all of them fall. Star ratings don't always matter, especially once you get to, like, Northeast kids in the two-ish star range. Like, you can't, you can't really evaluate every kid um, as, as thoroughly as you'd like. Um, but, Dan, in the last couple of weeks, uh, what's kind of the biggest storyline for you or the biggest commitment um, that you've seen for SEO? Um, I liked that we kind of made a splash to start 2017, uh, with Daewood Davis. Um, I am really enamored with his combination of size and speed. Uh, it's, you know, it, it seems like with the wide receivers, we haven't quite gotten a guy that has the same measurables and the same reported 40 times as him. And he, he almost looks, he really looks the part of like a really standout Florida receiver, um, Obviously, there was a whole thing with him trying to commit to Miami a couple weeks ago and didn't work out. Um, they're filling up really quick, even in 2017. So who knows if it's a numbers game or uh, for what I don't I don't really know or or I don't really care either why they didn't take him. But uh, he seems like a really legit player, a uh, really nice first 2017 guy. A lot of times you'll see the first 2017 guy for a or the first two years out player for a school like Syracuse be a little bit of a lesser known recruit that they offer at a camp or something. But this kid has a ton of offers. Um, he's from a, a really good football area. He's apparently transferring to a really good football school for us, American Heritage, where uh, we've had four or five guys in the last couple of years. Uh, most recently, I think Tyler Provo and Juwan Dabbles are both from that school. Um, so that's a good sign for Syracuse. It's an SU-friendly school. Um, so that was good. I, I was excited to get going on that class because the recruiting cycles um, – have gotten really fast, especially if you look at a school like Miami, where they already have probably, I can look it up really quick while I'm talking here, 
Uh, Miami, they're pretty much done with their 2016 class and are almost halfway full with their 2017 class already. And they're a bit of an anomaly because I think Golden's trying to do everything he can off the field to keep his job. But they're still pulling in some impressive players really early. Um, and then there's other schools like Florida State that already has probably eight or nine 2017 recruits. So things are moving faster than they ever have in football recruiting, uh, for better or worse. Um, and now I have the numbers up now. Miami's 21 kids in 2016 or 2015. Um, no, 2016. That's this is the coming year. And then they already have eight kids in 2017. So uh, Syracuse needs to kind of be on board because it's not going to, the train's not going to slow down for SU. So good to good start there. Um, that'd probably be my biggest thing. But I also really like uh, the linebacker out of New Jersey we just picked up. Uh, his name is escaping me for one second here. Um, Dimel Parker. Uh, I know some people have been worried about Sir- reports that Syracuse has passed and a couple other linebackers, uh, a couple other Jersey players in the last couple weeks. So obviously the staff is, I you know, if they have the talent that they want identified, they're not just taking the first commitment um, to come in, which is something we've heard might have been a strategy of George McDonald, where we ended up, and you know, then we ended up backing off the of players, which isn't a good look. So it seems that the staff is being a little more patient they're identifying talent. They're getting. They're waiting a little longer on the on the top tier guys before they jump at another kid and get get a little, uh, you know, get too twitchy with this recruitment. Um, and hopefully it works out. Uh, if they like Park more than the other guys trying to commit in, in weeks past, then they, you know, it all works out. So it seems like the staff uh, is doing a good job of getting like a talent that's at least like a step up from what in the last couple seasons. Um, and hopefully the um, and we talk about it every week. Uh, we can't just hold on to Schaefer if it if it turns out he's just not the coach. But he seems to be doing everything right on this side of things um, so far this year. And and this class is really shaping up to probably be the best one that we've had in seven or eight years. That's spot on. And, and you know what? I, I think I think Davis is a good call. I think that having a guy that big. Um, wrapped up now. Uh, I mean, it's a long recruiting season, so there's always things that can happen. We've seen it before, but having him lock up this early is, is huge for us because it signals to others that, uh, that, you know, SU could be a force going forward. And I think if SU has a great season on the field, um, you can see them close strong on 2016, gain some momentum for 2017. I mean, in college football, everything kind of rolls downhill once you get momentum going one way or the other. Um, so it's going to be something to, to keep an eye on. Uh, to me, uh, one of the bigger moves um, was uh, was solidifying Sam Heckel. Uh, I know originally he wanted to commit to Northwestern. Northwestern was uh, just didn't have a spot open for him. And Heckel, not that by himself, he isn't great. I think he is. Uh, what he does, though, is he really solidifies our offensive uh, line position for the next cycle already. And I know we've talked about this, um, and so is Schaefer. Uh, we've kind of focused in on one couple position groups and the next time we have to focus in on the other ones and vice versa. It's nice to see that after we pulled in four or five um, offensive linemen um, in the previous cycle for 2015, and now we're going after, we, I think we have three um, offensive uh, linemen for 2016, uh, Tekel, uh, Bill and uh, who was the other one? Cam to George. What? Oh, there it is. And Cam to George. All guys who, you know, rate out to be probably, you know, high two, three-star guys. 
have offers from the power schools. Um, and yeah, this isn't to put pressure on the, the incoming crop of freshmen for 2015, but it is to at least provide some backup. But you know what? There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of veteran guys that are leaving the roster uh, between this year and next. So I, I do like that move uh, to really solidify the trenches, um, at least on the offensive end. Um, I also like the the, the Darius Stubbs move. Um, I know we had a little fun with uh, the Ivy League comment um, the other day, but in general, you know, Stubbs and you and I again talked about this um, over on our kind of staff page. Uh, it, it does signal to to guys like Mo Neal and to a lesser extent Trey Bryant that hey, like you know, we can wait, but we can't wait forever. Like if we're going to have an H back style uh, guy on this roster, you know, we kind of got to get your buy in sooner rather than later. We're not just going to um, hang around and, and wait for you guys to buy in at the last second. So I think you know Stubbs. Uh, seems like a really, really quick back uh, based on everything we've seen. I mean, obviously he's going to play more of an H-back role um, and, and utilize that speed on the outside, but um, I, I think this does set in motion Neil and Bryant um, sooner rather than later. I think both can come in if we want. It seems like SU, um, I mean, whether they're wordsmithing or not, um, seem to feel that uh, Trey Bryant can be build as a kind of Irvin Phillips type hybrid back um, while Mo Neal is, is going to be our, our traditional H back, whatever that means in the Syracuse offense. Um, but yeah, I, I think Bolt could end up there. I do hope so. I think Bolt are really, really talented kids, you know, three, four star guys. Um, but Dan, do you think that, that the subs commitment does have a little bit of that to it? And do you think that, that Neal and Brian can both end up on campus? Yeah, I think, like you said, wordsmithing, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, obviously, there's the uh, promise to Robert Washington that he'll be the only, quote, running back, unquote, um, coming to the team. Uh, Stubbs, I think, you know, he's he's small. He's smaller. He's 5'11", like 180. So he's he's definitely filled more of that H-back, stat-back role, um, as does Mo Neal. I think Bryant's a little bit more of a, a classic running back, but... However it works, obviously, you want to keep your promises. Anyone who, who played the NCAA football games uh, going back a couple of years knows that you can't just break your promises to recruits and expect it to work out well for you every time. But, you know, say we, we plan on moving to corner or we, you know, have these guys filling in at that other role. Um, I think it's as long as you stay open with Robert, um, who is obviously a very important recruit, you want it at the, the most really talented players on the roster as you can. So I wouldn't mind uh, bringing in both. I think Moniel's probably a little more important just because he does have some of those other relationships. He's a friend of Robert's, which I think, you know, maybe if Bryant commits first, maybe Washington doesn't care so much if Moniel comes as well because they have a connection. But uh, I think you want you not a position where we can just pass on players for arbitrary reasons. Um, at the same time, you don't want to become a staff that lies to recruits. So it's it's a bit of a a fine line you have to walk, but uh, hopefully they find a way to at least grab one of those guys. And and so where things are going, I don't know. Mo Neal seems to be playing out, you know, letting the the process play out, which obviously he is uh, well on his right to do. Um, but it is encouraging that he set his his uh, visit date for I believe it's two weeks from now. Uh, I think he'll be up on like the 16th or 17th, sometime in that area. Um, so wouldn't totally shock me if we got a commitment out of him when he comes up, but, uh, even if not, I think we're in 
pretty good position for both those guys. Especially, I think Brian, a lot of people were surprised that he didn't have Missouri on his final list, which um, seemed to be one of the leaders in his commitment, uh, recruitment. So that's a very interesting one now. I think Neil's probably the preference there if we have to choose. Agreed. Um, and I guess to close out our conversation tonight, um, do you think if Mo Neal commits that we've done enough to pique Christian Colon's interest and maybe put some more consideration into the orange? It's hard to tell just because he just committed. Uh, so you don't often see kids uh, turn around and set visits or start expressing interest in other places like two weeks after you look at a month or two. Um, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, apparently he and Washington and Neil are all really close. So, you know, maybe we get a tur- uh, courtesy visit and they can change mind. But uh, I think there's definitely a chance that it would help in that regard. So pulling a kid from away from Penn state is never going to be easy. Um, we've won some battles there in the years past. But once a kid's committed there, I, I don't love our odds, but I would definitely say, considering the circumstances are probably better than they normally would be. So, um, you know, hopefully they, the coaches stay in his ear. I'm sure they will. And, and if Neil commits, you know, he'll have two good friends on campus. So it's definitely uh, an entire thing. Agreed. I mean, yeah, you can't, can't guarantee kids always want to go to the same place with one another. I mean, I would say of the friends that we have on the roster, obviously, uh, Scoop Bradshaw and Rick Culpepper, I think there's a much different bond type of thing that, um, you know, they really wanted to pursue going to the next level with one another. Um, Washington's talked about it with Moniel. He's talked about it with Christian Cologne. All three of them have seemed to mention it. Um, I mean, Cologne himself even said if Robert and Mo were there, he'd definitely have to give SU a pretty hard look. But, um, yeah, I, I, I can't say for sure, and I know nobody really can. Um, at the end of the day, these are – these are kids. They're going to make the decisions they're going to make. Um, I really hope that Cologne uh, could um, consider us just because of our current D-line issues. But, you know, long way away from uh, from all this concluding itself uh, in early February of next year, which, yeah, again, quite a ways away. For sure. And uh, it would be a nice get. But, um, you know, this, you can only guys that really shot. We'll see what happens. Neil, uh, this Neil visit should be a pretty interesting event. Um, see lots and down, then, yeah, maybe things do change in that respect. But either way, I think everyone should be pretty happy with how things are going. Um, it, as I said before, it seems like, you know, we're not vaulting into like the top 25 recruiting classes or anything yet. Um, but it seems, we're getting like a slightly higher grade of player than we have uh, even in the last two or three years, which considering all the blow about George McDonald's recruiting uh, prowess, kind of interesting that guys like uh, Bobby Acosta are able to come up three and seem to be doing at least well. Um, so yeah, I mean, not to pile on George McDonald because we spent about a full year doing that, but uh doesn't seem like any, uh, any heat off our fastball on the recruiting trail by losing him to NC State. And it doesn't really sound like he's, you know, NC State is doing what they always do. It doesn't seem like things have really changed there either. Yeah, I'd agree there. I mean, obviously still some uh, some time, but I, I don't I don't necessarily see McDonald uh, 
making all that much hay. But very long offseason, very long recruiting season. Maybe he does come on a bit. If he doesn't and ends up just, you know, coaching wide receivers, whatever it is, um, I guess we wish him the best. I can't really tell with George. I probably would have said yes until, like, the outburst on the way out, or at least when like, during the demotion. And then now I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously I, I can understand uh, – not really rehash this, but I can kind of understand why he'd be mad, but it, that whole thing was not handled well. And I'm looking for a seven-page, which is it's not – it's it's hard to keep up to date with you know the coaching stuff because only so many kids report who their main recruiters are, but not a lot logged in here for the NC State part of things. Although this to be way off, so it's not something to uh, to totally judge things by. Um, with that, I think we'll uh, we'll close it down for now. Hope um, everyone has a very very nice and pleasant and safe Fourth uh, of July weekend. And uh, go Orange. Football season just around the corner, everybody. Go Orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.